Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collum on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning to all of you Sunday teacher listener types. Today we are going to be talking about things in the past that schools have done that are pretty bizarre and have changed, but then also look to the future and think what will be the things that we do now that in the future they'll think are bizarre and weird that we did in the past, which is today. We are live from London. This is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collin on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Is it going to be one of those weird, weird episodes where every time I try and explain what we're talking about, we're going to go in like a, a loophole of wormhole, time travelly, weird conundrum madness that um, that we're all just going to blow our minds momentarily from time to time. Who knows? Who knows? But um, yes, the idea is we're talking about past teaching and how crazy it used to be, but then also looking to the future and thinking what current things now are on their way out, maybe already, or even if they're not on their way out, kind of should be on their way out. And when we think progressively into the into the wonderful future, not like 10 years, 20 years, when we're clearly going to be in half the same mess as we're in now. But I mean, like way, way into the future. So like, you know, I'm thinking Star Trek, you know, in Star Trek, when everything's good, you know, there, there's no nations at war, there's no money, no racism, no, no nonsense, right? It's all it's all just people doing their best and getting by in the world. I'm thinking in that world, what a school is going to be like compared to today? What will be the same? What will be different? Tim's coming in. He's going to try and blow our minds. Isn't he? he says, so things we did yesterday that seem weird today, but we will still do them tomorrow. Oh, you see, this is what I'm talking about. I don't know if I can handle this. It's, I think I might have bit enough more than I can chew for a Sunday morning with all the time talk. But listen, that's what we're talking about today. So brace yourselves. Strap in to your DeLoreans because we are heading to the future, Doc, or whatever, <laughs> Marty, whatever, 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 whatever reference you want to take, okay, whatever generation you are, I feel like Back to the Future always works. I feel like Back to the Future is a catch-all, whether you're, you know, older generation, noob, you know, noobs still look to that as retro cool, don't they? Don't they? Who knows? Um, welcome, welcome to Sunday. How's your week going? We're heading into, we're approaching a half term. Some of you are already on your half term. So congrats, congrats to all. I hope you're doing okay. I hope that this break, um, well, it's always well deserved for all of us, for sure. Um, I hope that you're looking forward to doing some nice things. You're going to see some friends. I am indeed lining up a little, we booked out a little cottage. It's what I like to do. Just those of you who don't know me so well, what Graham Collum likes to do on his holidays is to book out a cottage, go there with friends, and basically geek out while eating really good food and having really good chats. And that's what I do on my holidays. When it's peak, when it's peak holidays, that's what we do. And one of one of the listeners in the room right now, it will be on one of those trips coming up in nine days, I think, nine days. So, Helen, let's look forward to that good times. The rest of you, I hope you have fun things ahead for your own holidays and things. Tell me what you're doing for your breaks. Tell me what you're doing for your half breaks. Maybe you're just planning to lie in 
And listen, that's the most valid break you can have. You don't need to have some elaborate la-di-la, getting planes anywhere or anything like that. Just sit back, big old bowl of popcorn, get a movie going. There's your half-term lined up. Get a video game on. Bit of Metroid Dread, bit of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. What's your what's your tipple on the games these days? Um, Helen says, can't wait to cottage. Cottage times are legendary. They are every single time. Um, so that's all we're doing. But listen, hit me up if you want to talk half-term breaks, what you do to wind down. Do you switch your phone off? Do you mute your, your WhatsApp notifications? Do you block out your emails and stuff like that? You better not check your emails. If you're on the, if you're listening to the Sunday Brunch with me, you better not check your emails, all right? That's your 101 holiday wind-down tip. Is don't check your emails. The only way you can, you have my permission if you're a leadership role, okay? And you better be getting paid the big bucks because we need our space, people. I'm thinking more at the moment than usual. I feel like a lot of us are are just at our wits end. So we all need that little break, but um, it's coming, it's coming. So well-deserved, have lions if you can. Um, that's a lie-in, not a lion. Um, you don't want those on your half-term unless you're at a safe distance. Um, so yeah, good times, good times, good times. The climate change, um, it's COP26 is coming up. Um, that seems to be hitting a few headlines at the moment. Um, depending on who's going to be there. That's all the talk of the town is who's going to be there. Barack Obama's turning up. Of course he is. He's a legend. He should just, can he just, can we just agree on him being a world ruler at this point? Just get rid of all the governments. Just have Barack. He can, I trust Barack. He's all right. He can, he, he can look after us, I reckon. That's just my opinion, of course. Um, there's a lot of people turning up. Greta Thunberg is, uh, apologies if I mispronounced that. She's um, she's obviously hitting the news and getting her, her ideas said. The Queen has even spoken out and said, you know what? I'm sick of people saying they're going to do stuff and not doing stuff. My God, Queenie, could you channel humanity any better she's gone up massively in my estimation from that comment alone just to be like that is literally what most people say when we talk about climate change stuff and there the queen is literally the exact same chat just like what's with these guys saying they're gonna do stuff not doing it well said queen a lot of people think it's a bit um controversial when the queen weighs in with her opinions on things I don't find that a very controversial opinion. It's not exactly left or right leaning. Like that's just stating facts, in my opinion. People saying they're going to do stuff, not doing it, making commitments and just allowing them to peter out because they won't be in power when they um, when the commitments hit their deadlines. So go Queenie, I say. I'd like more of that. I think going into the future, if the royal family is to continue, I think they have to they have to get a bit more, um, I don't know, a bit more vocal, in my opinion. But I know a lot of people would say that's like, controversial you know they're they're supposed to be in their role and you know neutral and blah 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 but i don't know i think as as we go towards the future we want to know them as people don't we, we want to know how they feel about things going on the world and humanize them so then we can empathize with them maybe to some degree um and then it feels a bit more like they're on our level not that they necessarily are who knows um but i did like i did like the queen weighing in on that how does that even get out who does she say that to in order for it to be reported because she must say her normal opinions to people at home all the time but i wonder who she says it to when it's like get that out there <laughs> let people know i'm sick of people dragging their heels well said queenie well said not really royalist at all i have to say i used to be quite not royalist but i will i will lean into that one well said apparently putin um, President Xi and Bolsonaro not expected to turn up. 
kind of big hitters, I must say. <laughs> Geographically, I think we have the biggest producer of, of, of you know, carbon gases in China, largest geographical area in Russia, and largest potential healer of the planet with the Amazon rainforest in Brazil. All three of those, don't worry about it. Don't <laughs> you guys just carry on don't worry we'll our little countries will try and patch over i feel like without them is it a little bit like sticking a band-aid over like you know a a limb being dismembered um maybe maybe i feel like they could really do with showing up but alas it's not expected that they'll be there so sad times for that what's your opinions guys if you want to talk cop 26 and attendees or the queen's opinion this is teachers talk radio and you can call right in you can drop comments in the podbean app and i'd love to hear from you i always love to hear from the listeners of the world or even if you're not listening if you just happen to be in the podbean sphere or the podcast sphere of the world weigh in let me know what you think um of the climate change action is it enough do you think the goals of 2050 apparently being a goal at the moment is good enough are you glad that a lot of shops are signing up to this charter to get ahead of that goal is that what we need or do we need more how much more do we need that would be a whole show in itself maybe we'll do that in a future week talk about climate a little bit or even as this is teachers talk radio quite a tricky topic how to bring climate change discussion into the classroom do you just keep it as a discussion how you know how much do you debate how much do you go this is scientific fact that's a big old can of worms right there i was speaking about that in the week where there's nothing in the curriculum really about climate change at the moment apparently nothing for primary school and um, science no discrete you must teach this related to climate change there's a lot of discrete you must teach symbols of a circuit you must teach, you know, some evolutionary, you know, things get characteristics from their parents. You know, there are lots of things specified in the science curriculum, but apparently nothing for um, for climate change at all. So then it becomes on individual schools and teachers to decide what to do. But that's surely not good enough when it's this important and this present. Um, even if you don't think it's, you know, I know where people's opinions can differ. And I think even with that accepted, there can be teaching of it within within the curriculum. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think that we should be accepting the multiple opinions on climate crisis? Or do we just go, you know, this is how it is. And I don't care about the people who disagree with the facts, the facts are the facts. Um, it's a pretty interesting can of worms. But I'd love to hear from you if you want to talk climate crisis this morning on the Sunday brunch with me, Graham Collum on Teachers Talk Radio. This is how you do it. Um, weigh in your comments to, or you can comment to me live on the air on the Podbean app if you're listening. No matter where you're listening from, that's how you get in touch with me directly on the Podbean app. Perhaps you're listening to the Podbean app live and you think, you know what? I want to call in and chat to this guy and give him a piece of my mind. Well, there's a round grey icon on the Podbean app. Hit that round grey icon and I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'll happily turn the floor over to you while you let us know what your thoughts are on the topic topics of the show let's have a little look there's a comment here from someone called priya i think um climate changing going on 10 coastal big cities of different countries in the world will sink in the ocean need to reduce 1.5 degrees celsius okay all right um got some stats there coming in i can't say i can verify those stats but i the trouble with that those that kind of statistical you know starting point is you know, I unfortunately, I can think back to when 
when I was in secondary school myself, I was walking, in, I think it was about year nine. And I remember a friend of mine, I watched a, a Panorama documentary or Horizon the day before. And um, he was debating with me saying, look, if things aren't changed, if things aren't improved 10 years from now, um, this place and this place will be underwater and this will happen. And and um, and I remember saying, I don't, you know, 10 years is not that long of a time. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yada, yada. He was saying, this is what it said in the documentary. This is how it is. If we don't change, it's going to go bad. And um, and then obviously 10 years came and went and that didn't happen. So it's hard to project what's going to happen in the future to say the coastal cities being underwater, although there is evidence, of course, of that happening. This is what I mean. This is why it's a bit of a tricky one for edu- for educators, I think, about how much where we get in our facts from to say this is a fact and this is theory you know this is definite current present now with evidence and this is what we project it might turn into in the future um you know those are two very different things um so it's a bit of a tricky area anyway if you have opinions on it please call in i I, you know i'm certainly no kind of leading authority i'm a primary school teacher so i am jack of all trades master of none as you know that's a phrase i often use um, and certainly with climate change, you know, in in school, in science, that's another one, uh, another uh, you know, potential string to the bow in terms of a thing I know a bit about, but not I'm not an authority on it. I don't have an advanced knowledge on it. I listen to the news and I believe the, the information I hear. And so I do. I am concerned by it and I think it needs to be addressed. But um, but yeah, what do, what do you think? Priya says um, Indonesia is going to shift its capital city because of this climate change. Interesting. Of course, we have seen a lot of um, crazy, you know, there has been lots of evidence of climate change in weather events in recent times, even in the, you know, the heat that we get in parts of parts of the world is just, out, you know, insane. And then equally the cold and the wet in other parts. Uh, it's all there. It's all there. But what do you think in terms of teaching? Do you think there's a place for it in, in primary school classrooms or do you think it needs to be left to the grown-ups? Um, I, I don't think that. I, I absolutely think we need to engage our younger people with this stuff. But let me know. Let me know. If you want to weigh in, this is Teachers Talk Radio and we can interact live on the air, which would be nice. The um, The topic today then is old school versus future school. Okay, that's that's the kind of headline I'm going with today. Old school with a K, right? Versus future schools. Future schools being in a world of Star Trek, wonderful, um, what's the word? Utopian futures of all things well. You know, countries and borders gone, flags gone, people all getting on, racism gone, money gone. In that future, what things will we be teaching? What What would remain from our school systems and what would go? I wonder. That's the big topic that we're going through today. Priya says, from primary school to doctoral PhD, we must add this topic. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, so, right, he's weighing in his opinion. He says, from primary school all the way through to doctoral PhDs, we should be talking about climate crisis, climate change. I absolutely agree. Um but it's, it is a contentious one to talk about where we get the facts from and how we present things as facts. I get very paranoid talking about climate change in class. I get very kind of um, careful, probably over careful, um, because I worry about parents, you know, hearing one thing and jumping to another conclusion, thinking, oh, you know, this woke teacher, lefty teacher kind of coming in with opinions about climate change. Because for some reason, and I think this is quite limited I'm going to put my neck on the line and say, I think this is quite limited to the West, to, you know, Britain, Europe, America, where our opinions seem to weigh the same as facts. So if I come into class with facts to do with climate change and say this is going on 
um, and this is bad. And the, here's some stats to do with how the world is getting on with this right now. I think people would argue with it like it wasn't a fact because their opinion doesn't like my facts. And I think we have this issue at the moment in the West where opinions are are worth as much as facts. And so I think we overstate our opinions. I think when you have something like the climate crisis, climate change, it wasn't supposed to be a show on climate change, just quite a, an interesting topic to get into, I guess. Um, but when you have you know, when you share facts of climate change, people then come in with their opinions like they're equally important. Uh, and that bothers me. I feel like we need to say, hold on, you're talking about what you've made up on your in your head on a Sunday afternoon, whereas the fact is the fact is the fact. That's how it is. Um, but it's a weird issue. It's the same with loads of things um, in the in these Western countries at the moment. I, I say Western countries, I think that's what they're limited to. It could be world over, could be a human problem. But just thinking, you know, it's like, you know, facts first opinions, it's all good to go. And I think a, a lot of that is shown in our press and leaders as well. It's all a matter of opinions and, and confidence rather than the facts and the things that back it up. Because they're, I guess in some ways, opinions are reported as facts and facts are reported as opinions. Let's see. And um, Priya's last comment there is, I think Mr. Donald Trump won't like this particular podcast. No, you know what? I couldn't care less. I don't think he would neither. He can call in if he wants. Love to hear from him. Hey, Graham. Yeah, I'd love to hear what he has to say about that. He can he can jog on, to be honest. Um, Helen says, climate change should never have become political. But since it has, that's why our progr progress globally is so slow. Yeah, it's an interesting angle about it becoming political and a matter of debate. It's weird, isn't it? It's like, it's like debating. Well, it is, it's literally debating what the weather is outside <laughs> in some ways. I was, I was trying to think it's like debating something that's irrefutable as fact. Um, and then the first thing that came to my mind was the weather. And then, of course, it kind of is debating the weather. Um, yeah, it, it's, there's, a whole, there's a whole can of worms there. I'm sure there's many books written about why the problems with the opinions you know, in the world at the moment, why opinions are so you know, given so much energy. And obviously social media is a big thing with that. Look at the whole cancel culture, that going on in the world these days. It's a worry. You see, you know, people don't like someone's opinion. Suddenly they ruin their life. They're out of a job, cancelled off, you know, all their kind of income income is gone um, just because somebody disagrees with an opinion or someone likes an opinion or whatever. And um, we've even seen where someone's been cancelled and then uncancelled. If you look at James Gunn with, uh, you know, ancient tweets of his, which were pretty awful, um, he was taken off a movie and then the world decided, no, he's actually OK because it was a long time ago. Then he's put back on a movie. It's like, who's making these decisions? What a weird world we live in. Um, is your progress, is your progress is sustainable, Priya says. I don't understand what you're asking um, there, but... Anyway, 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 call in if you like, call in. Uh, Helen as well, you can feel free to call in, give me your take on on the problems of the world at the moment and why people are, why opinions are, are so um, valued these days. In a very short while, we're going to move into talking about the things that used to be taught in schools versus the things we teach now that might not be taught in the future. So basically, look into the past, seeing what changed since then, what things didn't stick around, what things did, and then how will things move forward from there? We have a call in. Priya's calling in. I'm wondering um, how Priya is. Can you hear me? Priya, do you mind? Am I calling you Priya? Is that the right name to call you? Tell me. Hello, Priya. Are you on the line? Are you on the line? Hello. 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 Am I, Hello. Is, Am I, Priya, is Priya the right name to call you? Yes, yes. Great. Wonderful. Um, and what are you calling in for today, Priya? 
Sorry? What are you calling in to say today? Uh, uh, regarding climate change yes. or anything you want to talk, then I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go, what, what's your thoughts there? Are you a teacher, Priya, out of interest? Uh, uh, no, uh, but yes, I am a PhD scholar. Okay. All right. Good to know. Lovely. Lovely to have you on the line. Or could I also ask where you're calling from? Where you're calling from? India. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. That's Thanks awesome. For Thanks connecting for with connecting with us here radio. Just talk radio. Yeah. I wonder, welcome. do you think climate change and the climate crisis should be taught as kind of fact? This is what's happening in the world and it needs to change. Um, do you think that there's a risk to... Like what? What do you think? How do you think we should tackle the climate crisis when it comes to educating younger people? Yeah, we must educate the younger people. Uh, I mean, uh, right from the school days to the PhD scholar, and in whether it may be engineering field, medicines, or management, any field. But there must be one syllabus, one subject on climate change or environment studies, because. So Aside from yeah. science, so not necessarily as part of science, it should be its own subject. Yeah. On, on every, every stream, every, whether it may be literature, I mean arts, commerce, trend and commerce, in, in every uh, stream, we must mm. add this subject. It's a matter because in, uh, we know what is happening. The you know, ice is melting in Arctic region. Mm -hmm. In ice is melting and the uh, sea level is rising. And many cities, many villages will affect, especially the island countries. And many countries. What do, you think, yeah. what, what do you think about the way that there's lots of opinions on this at the moment? A lot of people think, oh, it might be blown out of proportion or it's companies trying to make money. How do we tackle that? How do we deal with that when people want to, if people don't see it as just fact, you know, that's a very we, hard we thing to, to overcome. Okay, but uh, we have to, we have to, See, two things uh, we have to go. Like one is progress, another one is to save the climate. Otherwise, we cannot go. We cannot progress beyond 50 years. No, we ha we have to think about the future as well as we we will not depend on the conventional energy sources like coals, coal, or um, like those like oil, petroleum, and all. We have to depend on the solar energy as well as tidal energy, tidal solar, all the new uh, renewable sources. So we have to depend on these things for energy, like, yeah, so we have to promote. Don't you think, the, promote. Don't you, don't you yeah. think it's crazy how we have solar yeah. energy, we have wind energy, we have hydroelectric energy. We know we can, we can develop all this sustainable energy, and yet we don't. Don't you think that's bizarre? Yeah, we, we, we can, uh, but uh, the government is getting the easy sources, easy, mm. which is uh, natural reserves, is there in our you know, earth the coal and everything reserve is still there but we do not uh, explore that we should depend on the solar energy and all and i know huge money is required for this to explore solar energy because it is not easy in technologically things it is not easy and you know many things are there but we have to we have to uh, um, uh, go for you know separate budget for this uh, Imagine I go into school on Monday and I begin teaching climate change as a discrete lesson. We do some art around it. We do some writing around it. We learn about the statistics of climate change and ice melting and how it's affecting the world. Then parents start to complain and they say, 
this teacher is pushing his opinions onto the class and you know his views that climate change is a major problem um he's pushing them onto these young vulnerable people um as it you know we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow um so it's wrong what would be your response to those parents uh but uh, as a teacher we have to we have to realize we have to understand the fact for ourselves first fact see last year or three four years back what was the temperature of your city what is the temperature of your city these days we can compare why the temperature is rising the parents should know this why the yeah, temperature is yeah. gradually rising if the temperature so like is rising saying, approach it from a scientific fact point of view look at the data yes. and then i guess let the conclusions come from there maybe yeah and they will say yes it is happening climate change is a truth it is mm-hmm. true Uh, yeah they should know they should and you can show the videos the facts of not in your country but about the island countries and uh, you you can get you can find easily this type of videos in youtube fact videos uh, mm. from responsible sources is there uh, even in that video it is showing that some some part of the country some villages is no more in that area 5 kilometers or 5 3 4 miles the sea has Come. Again, that's another major problem these days is the idea about the legitimate sources on YouTube and the not legitimate sources on YouTube. How to tell the difference? That's another skill that young people need and all people need, actually. It's not about young people. Everybody needs to learn the difference between good quality information and low quality information. But that, again, yeah, but, is not but, but, something but, but, that's but being no. taught. Yes, I got it. But uh, see, this is this is truth. this is fact this is a documentary yeah. I, documentary i believe i agree with you i'm of the same kind of viewpoint that you are but what i'm saying is i'm just presenting the other side and and the difficulty of teaching something as fact when people can and you know and on tv they see lots of people disagreeing with it the truth of it becomes an argument and a debate rather than truth or fiction it becomes debatable and that's i guess why we're in a pickle uh but the thing is you have to uh, give proof you have to prove them by videos uh or by 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 videos or uh, by videos only there are many things is connected to ozone layer you know the gases and all carbon dioxide anything but you have to uh, prove them see it, it is not a one day process climate change no, is indeed. A, no i agree speaking uh, to you i realize how much of this really needs to be taken a lot more seriously and and dealt with from from higher up like it's not something that can be resolved from somebody you know a classroom teacher at my level or even a head teacher of a school it needs to be resolved at a national level where leaders need to establish this is not yes, up yes. for debate these are the facts this is you know present as leaders should present that this is what we're dealing with here's the truth of something now we need to move forward as a country but until we have leaders who who can present facts clearly and not yes. politically and, um, and especially gonna, yeah. Yeah, and especially on. the de- developed countries the most developed countries their leaders are not responsible i am not so- talking about all the leaders some of the leaders of the developed countries rather than not developing countries developing countries like india or many brazil many more countries are there they are much more aware about this fact this fact their awareness is here in our country in in the developing ones but in the developed like usa or some european countries 
they don't even bother about climate change or what will happen yeah. they don't know but they will suffer for sure right it is right. Well, thank you so much for calling in priya i'm going to say goodbye for now because we're coming up to a half hour point on the show we have news and ads and things okay. like that it's been a great pleasure okay. to have you on the line and thank, thank you. you for giving us your thoughts on it thank you thank you very much thank you bye 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 lovely lovely call there from priya um to yeah something to think on something to reflect on no easy answers at this point but imagine if we had if we did have a world of leaders that all could clearly say these are facts this is what we're dealing with um, and take it on with the kind of just dignity and courage that that it deserves we could be in a much better place the thing is the title world leader is a hell of a title like you need to be an incredibly intelligent and emotionally well-balanced, morally well-balanced, you know, thoughtful, reflective individual. And at the moment, some of them just clearly are not that much, you know, you need to be really, really highly informed. Um, and so it's, you know, but now we're at this place where everybody's just trying to score points and get headlines and win win opinions on newspapers. We're in a hell of a mess, aren't we? Hell of a mess. Probably worth leaving it there because I don't think we're going to resolve the climate crisis on this hour and a half today. But lovely to get into it. And thank you, Priya, for sharing your strong opinions on that. And uh, I can say I agree, but I still, like I say, the solution, um, I think the reality of the solution is still a bit of a stretch away. Right. In a minute or two, we are going to come together and we're going to start talking about, I'm going to split the remainder of the show down the middle. We're going to spend half of the show talking about teaching of the past and weird and wonderful things that we don't do anymore, but that we used to do and how we can kind of reflect that onto what we do now and say, you know, have we changed loads? Thank God we have in some ways. Maybe we need to change more. And then for the second half of the show, we're going to look to the future and talk about what we're teaching now that may well change. What do we think in 200 years, people will look back at this era and say, ha ha, how ridiculous that was that they used to do that. First, we're going to have the news, then we're going to have a couple of ads, and then we're going to crack on. We're talking about old school versus future school. Let's do this. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins-Burke. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins-Burke. A coalition of 118 members of Parliament and Lords has urged Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi to reverse the government's decision to scrap most BTECs. The group sent a letter to Zahawi to support the Protect Student Choice campaign, asking the government to rethink plans outlined in its Level 3 Qualifications Review. The Department for Education has argued that the over 12,000 Level 3 and below courses offers a confusing landscape to young people, as it introduces a twin-track system of A-levels and T-levels from 2023. The DfE has also admitted that defunding these qualifications would hit students from disadvantaged backgrounds the hardest. Children's Commissioner Dame Rachel D'Souza has told the House of Lords that last week's universal credit cut should be reversed to cut child poverty. D'Souza told the Lords that the £20 per week universal credit uplift should be reinstated for families receiving the child component of the benefit. 
The Commissioner also recommended an auto-enrolment system for free school meals and for children from families with no recourse to public funds to be allowed free school meals on a permanent basis. The Children's Commissioner's Office has revealed that around 70% of vulnerable children are in receipt of free school meals and that well over 4 million UK children live in poverty. A Lincoln Primary School has warned parents against letting their children watch the hit Netflix show Squid Game. Squid Game, which has an age rating of 15, sees hundreds of contestants take part in children's games for a cash prize, but with a literally deadly twist. Sir Francis Hill Community Primary School told parents that some pupils were re-enacting scenes from the show during playtime. The school has called for parents to put parental locks on devices to ban access to shows of this nature for their children. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins Burke. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Deanna Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collin on Teachers Talk Radio. And we are about to get into talking about the things that used to be taught and used to be normal in schools, but now are laughable and ridiculous and crazy. And then we're going to think, what are we teaching now that 200 years in the future are going to be laughable and ridiculous and crazy? Dare you enter the DeLorean where we travel to the future and look back on ourselves. Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collin on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Did you ever watch uh, H.G. Wells' The Time Machine? Where they, it's a great movie, that. 
great movie. Um, old school, it's like 50s movie or something, but they, they go far, far into the future and to a point of like crazy, like people, it like goes back on itself where people become, it's no longer cities and buildings and cars and things. It's like people, it's so utopian. It's it's like people just hanging out by rivers, just dreaming the day away. And it's kind of crazy. Uh, very, very cool. But when I'm thinking about the future, looking back on this time period, I don't really mean 200 years. I mean, a long, long time ahead. And um, what will seem crazy when the world is in a more progressive and wonderful place than it will be now. Please, God, there will be a point to some distant future where we're far better off than we are now. What will seem crazy from this time we're going to begin by looking back, back from here. You know, the education system only goes back about 200 years at, at most. So we're going to look back and think, what's, what have we dropped from the past? And you know what? In many cases, you're probably going to think, should we have dropped that? And so we need to look onto our current world like that as well. Even some things we might like teach or we might think are purposeful, they may well be dropped for, many, for, for any number of reasons. Where are we going to begin? Should we talk about behavior management and kind of the way children were perceived back in the old days? Let's talk about dunce caps for a moment, okay? That It's almost concerning, isn't it, that when, when kids weren't valued too much and, and the adults were given free reign, for some reason the adults decide to stick cone hats on kids with a big D saying, essentially, you're not very clever. You're what we call a dunce. Um, which is mad when you think about that. That was the adults. That was like, it wasn't that we handed it over to the kids and said, make the rules. That was a room of grown-ups going, mm, guys, how are we going to resolve this, this tricky behavior? You know, we should probably do stick a cone on their head. That shows everyone they're stupid. I'll tell you what, there's a series on Netflix called Sex Education. And um, they it's a really good series. Obviously, perhaps more, it, well, not perhaps, it is for grown-ups. And it's not something you'd want to watch with younger people. However, um, they kind of dabble in what if the world went back to that form of shaming people um, for who, may, who, you know, who don't agree with the school's image or, or what the school wants them to be like. And, uh, you know, it's an eye opener, but it does go to makes you wonder what's what was going on in that room of grown ups who decided to stick a cone on kids heads saying they were dunces Um, left handed. So these days, if you're left handed, you might use a certain type of pen. You might be given a certain space in the classroom so you can stick your elbow off the end of the table and you're not going to be going into the right handed person beside you. That's nice, right? We try to accommodate our left handed learners. I don't think too much, certainly with with younger people. I don't think there's much thought about it at all now. I think there's that many 50 50, really. There's a bunch of left handed people, a bunch of right handed people. I don't think anyone really thinks much of it, at least as far as I'm aware, in state schools, a pretty, pretty mid level state school. No one really bats an eyelid at being left handed or right handed. No one cares. And so it should be, in my opinion. Um, but back in the day, do you know what they would do if you were left handed? Going back to, say, our kind of granddad's generation, so going back maybe. 80 years in the school system, maybe not even, probably like 40 or 60 years. But let's be generous. And let's say going back 80 years. So going back to say 1940, um, that kind of era. If you were left handed, do you know what would happen? I, I know a number of older people who have these stories to share, by the way. They would tie your hand behind your left hand behind your back and make you write with your right hand. Um, to which, of course, the writing looked poor 
and you would struggle to achieve anything worthwhile in any lesson. And you would basically not seem very intelligent to your peers, um, all for not having a strong hand that, that the general population might have the same strong hand. It's crazy, isn't it? Like it's You know what's funny about that kind of stuff? It makes you think, what other things have we just not really questioned? Like Because at that point, I guess it was just thought that, well, of course, everyone, most people are right-handed. So, of course, right-handed is better. And of course, we want people to be, I wonder if there's stuff like that now, which we just assume is better because the majority of people do it. I bet there is actually, when I, just saying that aloud, I think, I bet there's so many general background kind of assumptions we make because we because it's majority and, um, and actually it's just totally kind of pig-headed to make those assumptions. I guess we're moving forward and that's a good thing. But yeah, stick, they would stick your left hand behind your back or they tie it behind your back in whichever means there's, there's different versions of it. Some people would say they'd have to keep their left hand under the table. Sometimes they'd tie it behind their back. Sometimes loads of different things or they'd wear like some, something over their left hand. But um, their left hand would be banned and they'd be made to work with their right hand, therefore bringing trouble to all their other areas of learning and making them look silly. I wonder if... I wonder how much of a correlation there was between the left-handers and the people who are wearing a dunce cap. I wonder if often the people who were having their hand tied behind their back would then be later wearing a dunce cap because their handwriting was so bad. Mal, no way. So Mal's, Mal is a fellow host on Teacher Talk Radio. Awesome, awesome person. Lots of exciting stuff going on in her life at the moment. But she has her own first-hand account of being forced to be right-handed. Um, that's crazy. I, I would, I would have thought that anybody amongst our generation, even up to, you know, even getting to kind of my mum or dad's age, I would have thought would have, would have not been an experience being forced. So even actually going back, not that far, I was, I thought I was being generous saying going back 40 years, but that could be going back to seventies, eighties, even still being made to hold your left hand back and culturally seen as bad. Oh, okay. Interesting. So maybe, maybe even still to this day, some cultures are are trying to force right-handedness, which is just wild when you think about how irrelevant it is, like how much it doesn't matter whether you use your left or right hand. It's just what you choose to do. It's, it's, but like I say, I wonder how much of that feeds into other aspects of um, of our, of kind of presumptions we make in the world. And when we think, oh, everybody, most people do this. So that's probably right. I bet there's tons. I bet there's tons. We'll think about that more as the as the episode goes on. And of course, autism now is something we try to recognize, we try to address still, I don't think enough. I think that there, as we know, it's a spectrum. There are all kinds of learners who aren't seen as severely autistic and so are in normal classrooms doing normal kind of work activities, but really not handling that well and struggling with, with great difficulty. Um, Whereas if, when you go further into the past, into these schools where you would have had dunce caps flying around and left hands tied behind your back, then, um, you know, if you were autistic, again, that you would be seen as a troublemaker, you'd be labeled and probably separated, uh, isolated, uh, you know, seen as, you know, so all of this stuff, thankfully, um, the old schools um, have not carried forward to current schools. Let's see, Nathan says in the comments, also fellow host and legendary um online you know twitter well not twitter so much instagrammer and basically makes up amazing images and gifts and things he says left in italian is sinistra as in sinister huh wow there we are cultural you know what there's probably a whole episode to be done on the cultural views of left and right handedness i'm being educated here 
Italian Sinistra. Oof, harsh. Dan Brown talks about it in the Da Vinci Code, Mal says. I did not know that. So poor old left-handed. Who knew that the oppressed of the world were the left-handed, even still to this day, many people um, still struggling with being left-handed. And there I was in blissful ignorance, thinking that it was a thing of the past. Let's talk about some other things that were normal in schools in the past, aren't anymore. Learning Bible verses in the UK, in UK old schools and American older schools, um, they, people would recite Bible verses. They would read through them. They would discuss them sometimes. And then they would learn them by rote. They would learn them to memorize Bible verses. But we don't do that anymore. That was kicked out. I wonder why. Um, but funnily, then there's also the thing coming back and the debate, and it's a fair debate, about the relevance of poetry recital, which perhaps, you know, maybe that will be something 200 years in the future. They'll look back and go, they used to make them recite poems. How silly that is. Who knows? We'll talk about that more later when we talk about the future schools. But currently we are, we are talking about old schools, things that used to be normal in schools, but are not anymore. Shall we talk gender roles? Ooh, you know what? That deserves a, an, an audio effect. Let's see what we have. Gender roles of the past in schools. Yes, indeed. A big, um, a big boo for, for that. Um, so women were taught certain skills or girls, I should say, I guess, maybe. Um, and boys were taught other skills because they were thought to be the ones who are going to grow up and work a job and, you know, work hard and, and be, be intelligent and they need to be intelligent. Whereas the women would be ta taught housemaking skills and, you know, home economics and how to sew and things like this, because, of course, that's what women need to do, which, again, you know, considering with the left handed, right handed, this is just a way of striking all people down the middle and going, you should all be like this to say all girls, you should all be like this because what at the time a majority of people were like that. It was just like, boom, we assume that's what's right for everyone. But how much of that do we still do now? How much of that do we still to this day think? you know, oh, people should be a certain way because that's what the majority of us are. And I have to say, I would be well open to ideas on this because I am a little bit, um, what's the word? I'm like your most common denominator person. Do you know what I mean? Like in the UK, I'm like white, British, male, um, culturally, I'm from round here. I'm from Ireland, but still I'm kind of not from far away. I haven't had to deal with any great kind of... Um, you know, I, you know, we, we've all had, had struggles growing up, but I mean, not because of necessarily a feature or a personal aspect of my personality or something that's beyond my control. Um, so I'm not a great one to lead in this, but I'd love to hear from people saying, look, here are some things that are assumed in our culture that actually a lot of us don't conform to. Of course, I'm thinking about sexuality. Of course, I'm thinking about gender. Of course, I'm talking, talking about all kinds of things where many of us vary and many of us differ. But there is a general consensus of straight is, you know, straight male and female is the general you know married couple is probably what people are going to grow up to be that assumption is so still present and so i wonder looking forward when we're 200 years 400 years 600 years in the future will that be frowned upon will it be frowned upon that we used to um, kind of presume the the married 2.4 children kind of household I reckon it probably will be. I, I almost hope that that will be frowned upon because although of like it hasn't caused any ruckus in my life, I certainly know for a lot of people it has, and that's not good. And I, if I think about being progressive, and of course the future will always end up 
it will always end up where we're either, either going to wipe ourselves out at some point or it will continually and gradually progress. Um, and so I imagine things like sexuality and gender and all those life choices really won't bother people in 200, 300 years, hopefully not even that far. Um, but the fact that at this day still, as we talk now in 2021, there is still lots of debate about um, all of those areas. Yeah, interesting. I wonder how these things will change. How about the history of our country? Now, this is supposed to be about old school teaching, things that used to be taught a certain way. And actually, we still suffer this a lot right now. Like British Empire is not taught in a very factual or light and dark kind of way in schools. It's largely, as far as I've known, or certainly as far as curriculum prescribes it, it's largely taught as you know, oh, look, we traded with these countries and we expanded across the, all these countries. And wasn't Queen Victoria great for going around, um, you know, and doing all these different things, uh, you know, being involved with all these other countries. But the massacres aren't really mentioned and the chopping of hands off from people. So to de-skill their workforce in their country is not mentioned. Um, and that's a problem in America. You know, I know that there's many places in America that don't talk about the reality of the you know, what happened to the First Nations tribes in America and what's happened, you know, how that land was taken and slavery is often given a bit of a light touch in at certain times. That's still going on now. So again, looking to the future, I wonder whether, do you think that we will achieve teaching of history that is more truthful, more reflective of here's the facts. Now you guys make your own conclusions. That's just how it was. We don't need to apologize for it. The thing is, is we didn't we didn't commit those actions. We are living through some of the results of those actions, and I think they will continue into any future. But educating, just because it was a terrible thing, doesn't mean we shouldn't be educated. In fact, it means we should be educated, if, if anything. And let's see, Mal says we were more progressive 2,000 years ago. Yeah, that's an interesting one, actually. Um, yeah, or do we always progress into the future? Or, you know, what, or if we don't, why? What devices in our society are halting that i wonder that's a huge huge thing to get into but i would love to hear, hear from you mal um if you want to if you want to drop in you can always drop us more insights on that but it does seem like rather a large can of worms to try and get into um a random comment from akoya says and margaret thank you akoya mal also says that's how it's taught in secondary schools um i'd like to i don't know whether you're referring there to um in terms of the truth of it, and then they they choose their own stance, Mal. I hope that you're saying it's taught better and more honestly and openly in secondary schools, and that probably makes more sense. I think I just feel like I'm missing out in primary. I'd like to get a little bit more into it, but it's fair to say maybe it's a bit young to get into the reality of the British Empire. I just think it's weird when it comes up, the British Empire, it's so like, hey, we were trading, and look at us going around the country. Da, da, da. Isn't Britain great? Um, it just seems rather unhealthy to get that idea in at a young age, and um, maybe just leave it till secondary altogether when they can handle the whole story. Um, Akoya says, TT Radio, I'm from Australia, Melbourne, right? So we have listeners from Australia, from Uganda, from India. What a lovely um, audience we have today. Um, that's how I taught history for 20 years. Yeah, that's good, Matt. I have to say the empire, um, would, like we have a little bit of it come up in year six as well as part of our topic. We have Victorians and it then leads into empire. And we do the same. We talk about, we touch on 
some positive positives and negatives and then the last lesson we do on the empire unit and we kind of have a debate about was it good or bad you know was it good for britain or was it bad for britain is it good or bad in general and it's it's a nice unit of lessons but the issue i have with that is that that was not what the curriculum asked me to do that was because in our school myself and my fellow teachers were not okay with just teaching it as oh yes isn't the empire great so we took it upon ourselves to turn it into more of a Give them the facts, then we'll debate about how they feel about the facts and leave it there. And it was a very conscious decision to take that route. But that was, that's not how all schools are given that area of learning. All schools might be recommended to touch on the British Empire, but how they do it is then left to them. And I think perhaps it should be a curriculum and specification to, um, to have the, you know, the debating element in there and the, the right and wrong element in there. It seems a bit wrong to leave that out as, as a requirement. Anyway, great for Britain, not so much for home nations, lordy lord. No, never there been a truer word spoken, Mal. Um, so did we talk about gender roles? We did talk about gender roles. Here's one I like. This is a bit American, but um, I thought it was quite a cool one from old schools. Old things that used to be taught, but aren't taught now. The farming almanac. Right? <laughs> so, so seasons, plants, how to farm, how to till your crops. Um, the farming almanac used to be something that would be taught in American um, schools in the past. They would teach them things about seasonal vegetables, seasonal fruits, how to grow different things, how to manage fields. And so that because the, they imagine the children would grow up to be farmers. Um, would it be terrible for me to say I kind of like that and I kind of think we're missing a beat by not having <laughs> the farmer's almanac taught in schools I think that's great and I think as kids don't get now a lot of things about seasonal fruit and veg and all that they just don't know because of course we now import you know fruit and veg from all over the place so we have dragon fruit and we have pineapples at any time of year with bananas and strawberries at any time of year um and so even when I was growing up, we weren't taught about you know farming, but I knew that certain things weren't available at certain times. So you get hot cross buns at a certain time of year and you get strawberries at a certain time of year because there were seasonal reasons for that. Whereas these days, that I think that's just missed out entirely. And I know people think, well, it's not so important for the general child growing up for the future. But I just think it's good to know nature. I think it's good to be involved with nature. And so I like that one. I think pull that one back. For If I was to take my DeLorean to the future, I'd hope there'd be some farming some farming learning going on because you know people career options people never think maybe i'll be a farmer um and why not it, it's such a kind of passed down profession now isn't it you're either born into a farming family and community or you're not um you know i wonder how how rare it is these days for someone to begin farming you know, to take it up where their father or mother were not farmers. I wonder, you know, to move out to a farming area, to farm. I think that would be incredibly, incredibly rare, but not if we taught the farming almanac. So <laughs> get your priorities right, people. Get your priorities right. Um, here's something that used to be taught and isn't these days. And I have to say, I and this is, we're going weirdly into a world of, I guess, Graham saying, uh, I'm a man out of time. I would like this skill as well. Shorthand. Is something that used to be taught in, in many schools. Shorthand, the form of writing that essentially abbreviates and symbolizes lots of things um, so that you can write lots in a short amount of time by through shorthand references. It's useful in court. It's useful in journalism, useful in healthcare. 
Um, I remember when I was, uh, there was a time I wanted to be a journalist and people would always mention shorthand and I had no idea what that was or how it worked. Um, that used to be a thing that, that was taught in schools. Again, I think that would get it in. We can make time for shorthand. Look, if we have time to go through spellings as much as we do once every week and then test them at the end of the week, get some shorthand in there. Let's do spellings every other week and shorthand every other week. Boom. Solved it. Shorthand is in the curriculum. <laughs> Uh, Mal says, I know a few people who did it. That's shorthand, I imagine. But they studied it at uni and already lived. Oh, farming. OK. OK. So she knows a few people who became farmers, but they studied it at uni and already lived in the countryside. Eco warriors. Oh, well, that's good to know that it does happen. And, and I, I, I'm assuming those people are not from families of farmers. Cool to study it as well. I guess that's when they got the farmer's almanac out and they... <laughs> They went, right, lads, here's, let's learn about the season. But what a cool thing to do. Good on them. Good on their unis as well for keeping the subject alive. Um, but there is the element of already living in the countryside. I wonder about that as well. The, the geographical, I guess there's some element, you know, we can't be forcing people to go and become farmers. Um, so we gotta we got to allow some of it. So shorthand as well, anyway, shorthand. Do you think that should still be taught? I kind of, I would like it to be, I don't think it should be necessarily uh, as a thing, but I think it'd be cool if it was. Uh, home ec, well, I talked earlier about the, the sexism of different genders being taught different things in the past. Home ec, um, you would be taught cooking, sewing, and how to run a home. Now, listen, that, and typing as well. Yes, um, Mal has just typed, has typed in that typing was taught. Um, and of course, that as well, you know, even touch typing is something that used to be taught discreetly. Actually, during the lockdown period, we gave our kids a little, um, a couple of lessons on touch typing and kind of tested them and things like this, which was quite nice. But again, felt like, that's a really useful skill that is not being taught currently. And people, as you get older, if it, whether it comes down to note taking in uni, whether it comes to, down to writing essays or being a secretary or processing files or being a solicitor, you want to type quick. That's a good skill. It's probably one of the most applicable skills these days. Um, but yet it's not a skill where we assume, I guess, oh, kids will learn to type because they're always on their iPads and things like that. But um you know, but they won't type efficiently. They won't know all their keyboard shortcuts. So type in another lesson we would like to cram in if we could. Home ec as well, cooking, sewing, how to run a home still has a place. It just shouldn't be gendered. Like that's a cool subject to learn. All those skills would be amazing to have, but it just shouldn't be just for girls. That was the problem with it. Don't do out the subject. You know, people still need to learn how to do certain things. And of course, there's all kinds of bizarre stories about people who don't know how to do basic things. They end up in hospital or in these terrible situations because they didn't know, you know, how to disconnect an item at home or how to iron properly or, you know, that an iron remained hot. So they left it on something and caught fire or whatever. You know, there's a bunch of, of spook stories about people who don't get basic survival skills in the modern world. Um and yet, you know, home ec now has really just been reduced to cooking, hasn't it? As far as I've ever known in secondary schools, home ec is now a, a word that you can, it's a synonym for cooking lessons, um, which is a bit of a shame. So I'm sure there, there must be those people out there. It's funny, when you look at this, you kind of feel like, have we made like massive misjudgments in, in the things we teach and that actually all this old stuff kind of feels a little bit, maybe it's just that the grass is always greener on the other side. Maybe if we were teaching all that, I'd be saying, we should be doing more maths. We should be learning poems. I don't know, similes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, I'm being generous there. Uh, I feel like that would not be the case. But there we are. I just think the wholesome things will, you know, like I think if we were new farming stuff, we knew shorthand and we knew typing and we knew home ec, 
feel like our lives would benefit instantly from all those things, from a lot. Maybe not shorthand. You can leave shorthand. Shorthand's just for fun, all right? Um, woodwork is one of the other ones. Woodwork, I know that that, that is done in secondary schools. It's an option for many people to do in D&T. Later on, woodwork can come into parts of D&T. Not one that I think is terribly lamented. I think that these days, a lot of woodworking and printing-related skills can now be done through computers, and so you can do a more modern version of it. But woodwork is an old skill that used to be taught more commonly. And in primary, the same way cooking used to be. I remember when I was in primary school, talking um, very late 80s or very early 90s, we would make cookies in school. Um, I remember vividly the excitement of making the cookies and then bringing them home, showing my mum, all that kind of stuff. These days, cooking is all left to secondary school or to homes. Uh, you know, I think we're missing a beat. I think we could be missing a beat there. But you can't teach everything. That's the problem. It's like if you want to pull in typing, well, what goes? You know, what do we lose out? Because, you know, God knows there's so many things we want to teach. We want to teach financial wisdom. We want to teach a bit of mindfulness. We want to teach everything, don't we? But how do we fit it in? I think just the discrete subject nature of, of schools at the moment could be a problem that actually we need to be more wholesome in our approach to teaching rather than this is this subject this is that subject we need to have like overarching topics and units that go on you know reach into all different areas oh i'm going on a bit of a trade right now right we are an hour into the show we've just hit 12 o'clock happy sunday afternoon guys i hope you're all having a lovely day as we head into the final half hour of the show, what we're going to talk about now, we've gotten through most of the old school things I want to talk about, the old areas of teaching that are no longer taught. What I'd like to talk about next is what's on its way out. If you're in a future school, if you're 200 years in the future, 400 years, 3000 years in the future, what would you look back on now and laugh at? What seems crazy that we do now and unprogressive? What needs to go? That's what I'm going to be asking you in a moment. Um, first, we're going to have the news, a word from our advertisers, and then we're going to talk about the future schools of the world. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins Burke. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins Burke. A coalition of 118 members of Parliament and Lords has urged Education Secretary Nadim Zahawi to reverse the government's decision to scrap most BTECs. The group sent a letter to Zahawi to support the Protect Student Choice campaign, asking the government to rethink plans outlined in its Level 3 Qualifications Review. The Department for Education has argued that the over 12,000 Level 3 and below courses offers a confusing landscape to young people as it introduces a twin-track system of A-levels and T-levels from 2023. The DfE has also admitted that defunding these qualifications would hit students from disadvantaged backgrounds the hardest. Children's Commissioner Dame Rachel D'Souza has told the House of Lords that last week's universal credit cut should be reversed to cut child poverty. D'Souza told the Lords that the £20 per week universal credit uplift should be reinstated for families receiving the child component of the benefit. The Commissioner also recommended an auto-enrolment system for free school meals and for children from families with no recourse to public funds to be allowed free school meals on a permanent basis. The Children's Commissioner's Office has revealed that around 70% of vulnerable children are in receipt of free school meals and that well over 4 million UK children live in poverty. 
a Lincoln primary school has warned parents against letting their children watch the hit Netflix show Squid Game. Squid Game, which has an age rating of 15, sees hundreds of contestants take part in children's games for a cash prize, but with a literally deadly twist. So Francis Hill Community Primary School told parents that some pupils were reenacting scenes from the show during playtime. The school has called for parents to put parental locks on devices to ban access to shows of this nature for their children. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Tom Hopkins Burke. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Graham Shane! You thought I'd forgotten. You thought I'd forgotten Graham Shane, but of course... I had forgotten and uh, I thought I was actually out of topics and then I checked my notes and I had one on here that I remembered the other day while I was teaching science. So we have another episode of Graham's Shame um, where I tell you something rubbish I've done in my life so you feel better about the things in your life. This one goes back to when I was about 14 years old. I don't think I've said this one before. If I have said it, you can tell me. It always comes up in class when I teach electric circuits because I need to tell people about how to be safe and that I was not when I was a kid. So I was mowing the lawn, all right? I was mowing the lawn on a Sunday afternoon. Parents weren't in. They thought, let's leave Graham to mow the lawn. He's all good. He's not an idiot. So um, mow away. I was mowing the lawn. We had a dodgy wire on it that had like tape around the middle of it. And at one point while mowing the lawn, it came apart. The wire came apart. It was loose. Half the wire was plugged into the wall in the kitchen. The other half attached to the lawnmower. Now, you know, I saw this wire. I saw it was a bit frayed at the edges. And I remembered some lessons I'd had before in school. I thought, you know what? I'm going to cut some fresh bits of wire 
so that I can put them together easily and not work with this frayed mess that was that was you know, sticking out of the plastic casing. So I got a pair of scissors and I thought, you know, I've seen I've seen those those people. I think my dad will have. You know, we get like wire cutters, but you leave the metal part. You just take off the plastic bit around it. I was like, let's do that. Let's freshen up. So I sit down on the lawn with a pair of scissors, two bits of wire in my hand, snippy snip. I didn't take the plug out. Bang end up on my back, lying on my back in the middle of the garden, thinking what on earth just happened, looking at the sky, um, wondering what on earth that was. Turns out um, when a wire is plugged in, it still has electricity flowing. When you connect a metal scissors to that wire, it then likes to create a circuit with the metal wire, uh, with the metal scissors and blow up in your hands. So it literally knocked me onto my back. For all I know, I might be out for, for a few seconds. I don't know. But I sat up, and weirdly, in my dazed confusion, um, rather than go, huh, that's terrible. Why did I not unplug it? Let's unplug it and fix that and not do anything silly again. I sat up and thought, oh, let's try again. And <laughs> so I got this. The scissors had a chunk out of them. They had literally, there was like a, a bit midway down the scissor and there was a, a, a like an arch blown out of the scissors. Um, and for some reason that didn't stop me doing it a second time. So anyway, it then popped again and I was on my back again. And at that point, I realized, right, this is connected to the power still. And that is the problem. And so there you go. That, that was that was how I learned that metal is not good at conducting electricity when plugged into a wall. Um, rather shocking. Dun, 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 that wasn't actually supposed to be a pun until it came out of my mouth. So, yes, that was that was one of my rather silly and embarrassing things I did when younger. Um. Although I should say, when I realized it was wrong, I did, I was thinking, what's my saving grace on this one? When I realized that it was wrong, I then took the plug out and actually then fixed the wires together and did it properly and carried on to mow the lawn fine. The saddest thing of that story is that I didn't get superpowers, that I did not become lawnmower man or, or even electric man, you know, because I did everything in the rule book to get those powers. Um, but no, it didn't happen. So bad times for me all round. Two electric shocks and no superpowers. Graham Shane. And so we move into the last 20 minutes of this lovely Sunday afternoon show talking about schools of the future. What do we teach currently that will probably be dropped at some point in the future? And people will look back and say, wow, I can't believe they used to do that in schools. Here's the first one I'm throwing out. Um, cursive writing. We currently in, in primary school still we do a lot of handwriting and, you know, I like it. I think the fine motor skills, it's all good. Um, we spend a fair amount of time doing it. We talk about joining. We talk about which letters you join from, which ones you shouldn't. Um, sizes of letters, keep your letters on the line, la, 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 do all the way up to year six. I don't know whether it's going to stick around. I don't know. I, part of me thinks that motor skills can be addressed in a million different ways that are more purposeful. Hand that, you know, that handwriting all the way through to year six maybe in the younger years i could see it getting dropped at like year two that you you know you get their basic general writing but obviously so much stuff is digital now maybe handwriting in the older year groups would be replaced with typing and things like that and i know people are rolling in their 
proverbial what's the, what's the <laughs> we're not rolling graves because we're not dead but we are you know we are some people will be shocked some people will be saying what a heathen how dare you um lose the skill of writing and i would probably say that if we weren't teaching it right now but um but i could see its days being numbered i just think going all the way through to year six is a big priority you know we're in a digital world we are in the digital era so people say and um, thank you for the likes by the way got some likes from mal and tscw and other people in the room through the show very much appreciate your kind and positive ways um do you think cursive writing will be on its way out do you think 400 years from now they'll still be teaching handwriting up to year six that's what i'm really asking it's not about the rights and wrongs of it but will they and if not i raise an eyebrow and ask why not why not uniforms will uniforms stick around here's my thought on it either they will stick around but be free for, for parents or they won't stick around it's one or the other i i know the problem with casual clothes in school i know the way it separates people's social brackets i know that it becomes a distraction and it's a whole social issue that we see in lots of american schools day to day but uh, the reason i thought of this actually was also because of that show sex education that we've been watching uniforms 400 years in the future I just think there's something old fashioned feeling about school uniforms. Maybe they'll become more casual. And like I said, maybe they'll become free. But currently, it's not sustainable. I think going forward 100, 200, 300 years into the future, I don't think it seems realistic to um, to have uniforms as they are now. Because when people say about casual clothes being socially exclusive and socially it separates kids in a classroom, well, uniform does in a way as well, because it's expensive as hell, right? And some families find it very hard to afford the right uniform, keep it all up to the right sizes. Kids grow out of there. You know, you spend however much on uniform, then your kid grows out of it, frustrating. So you get the certain kids who have clothes that are too small for them or too big for them. And then the other ones who always have well-fitting clothes all through the time. There's still the social separation. There's still the exclusivity. It just presents differently. So... If it's a standard expectation in schools, and I think this is how it should be now, then there should be at least one set of uniform per school year that families are entitled to. They should have it provided to them by the school, aka the government, and um, not aka, that was a very David Brent move, wasn't it? By the school via the government, right? And, um, and then that would cover that was that's how they get the uniforms. so free uniforms or no uniforms what do you think you get in the get in the time machine scoot forward 600 years you step out and go to a primary school or whatever schools they have at that time what are kids wearing they're wearing their own clothes they're using wearing stylized uniforms that are free those are your two options i'm not i don't think the current model of uniforms that are really expensive um i don't think it's it's workable it's already been up for debate for a lot of the previous year so what do you think going forward what do you think will happen with the uniform front this is teachers talk radio as a reminder if you want to weigh in or call in or let me know your thoughts then just hit that round gray icon on the podbean app and let me know if you think school uniforms um have a revolution on the way is there some great change coming or are we just going to keep on with this slightly rubbishy situation we're in right now let me know if you want or you can drop comments on the podbean app as well here's something that when i was doing some research for this show it came up as something that seems like it's on its way out and i have to say it was controversial and i was not a fan of it apparently many people suspect 
that break time is on its way out. Yes, that we are, you know, I, I expressed a couple of weeks ago, I said about my issues with occupying kids' brains at lunchtime. The fact when we have movies on or we have things going on in the classroom at lunchtime, I have an issue with that because I think we need the free time. We need our brains to breathe. Um, but apparently, in many countries around the world, in different parts, break time's being reduced and reduced and reduced. And I can see that here as well. I can see that people are also doing their clubs at break times and homework club at break times and whatever other special skills clubs at break times. And actually, is it going to become mandatory to go to these clubs and then there'll be no break times at all? And it will be a case of they can rest when they're at home. They can rest on their weekends. Andrew Farm says not in Spain. Um, so does that mean you don't have breaks in Spain? Or you do have breaks in Spain and they're all good. They're not going anywhere. I hope it's the latter. I hope your break time is safe in Spain. Or, But I feel like as you drop the comment, it's more likely that it's been eradicated. Okay, it's good. It's good. Spain is keeping their break times. Well done, Spain. Be more Spain, world. We want the breaks. We want the... Andrew says the latter. So they are good. They're keeping their breaks. Their breaks aren't going anywhere. Um, I would love that here as well. You know what? I would also like to lend from warmer countries a siesta. When I um, worked in the States for a couple of summers, in the middle of every day, you get a 15 or 20 minute siesta. You just lie down, have a little chill moment. And the adults as well, you all just got a moment to collect your thoughts. And it was like mutual respect, quiet. We're not going crazy during this time. And uh, that was good. And I, I reckon we could learn a lot from expanding our breaks, more breaks um, and more siestas, please. Um, so, yeah, apparently the, you know, the article I was reading was hearing vibes of break time going i hope that's not the case if i step out the um the time machine in 600 years there'd still be breaks wouldn't there there's got to be a break to eat at least maybe there'd be more breaks because they'll value better nutrition and there'll be free snacks from schools you know you have some fruit on your first break you have your lunch break and then there's an afternoon break as well i could do with a siesta and then an afternoon break <laughs> am i getting too greedy with my school days you tell me you tell me um so yeah, cursive writing is, looks like it might be on its way out. Uniforms, I'm thinking free or non-existent. Break times might be on their way out. Uh, oh, some comments are dropping in here. Let's see. Oh, interesting. Andrew is dropping some further context to his comment that Spain um, are keeping their breaks. He says the school days are longer here in Spain, so no chance of losing breaks. My school is 45 minutes break in the morning, 45 minutes after lunch. My wife's school is longer. However, the school day finishes at 4.30. No break would be ridiculous. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, TSCW, sorry, said no break would be ridiculous. So out of interest, putting out there to the world, what would you rather? Would you rather more and longer breaks with a later finish time? Or would you stick with the current school day, shorter breaks, but earlier finish times? I think I'd go with the earlier finish time which is kind of double backing on, on what I was thinking. I go longer breaks, same finish time as we have now. <laughs> is that viable? 45 minute morning break, lunch, then 45 minute afternoon break, finish at 3.15. <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe I'm asking for too much there. We will see. How about this? Simple change for the future. School hub devices to record learning and paper for notes or scrap. 
That's what I reckon is the future of devices. I don't think you do everything on your device. I think there is always a place for paper and note taking and the quick way of getting things immediately how you want them. You know, there being no IT barrier, we need something with no IT barrier. And I think paper will endure because we want no, we don't want IT barriers. However, obviously with climate stuff, we want to cut down on paper and schools are awful for that right now, by the way. Can I just get that out there that we are so not cutting down on paper, at least in my experience of primary schools, it's totally not happening. Um, but I would say a school hub device. So not they won't be bringing in phones from home. I don't think they'll be bringing in laptops from home. I think they will have a school connected device and it will be connected to the school network and they access all their work and lessons via their little digital pad that they'll carry around or laptop. Don't know which one it would be but it's not, it would not go outside of the school network. Um, they upload all their work for their teacher to mark on those devices and drafting, scrap, note-taking goes on paper and they just have their own paper pads which can they can take or leave as the day goes. That's my thoughts on how devices will be in the future. Um, just take me there now, people. Take me there now. TSEW says, happy with the breaks we have now. Need the break to get sorted and deal with issues. So true, so true. As well as hide if ever I managed to do that. Um, that is very special. You hide during your break times, TSEW? <laughs> I don't know if I misread that. Need the break to get sorted and deal with issues. As well as hide if ever I managed to do that. You just hide. He's saying yes. He's... <laughs> It sounds like a kind of fun way to have your break time, TSCW. I feel like you just break into impromptu hide and seek. I have a year group. Oh, oh I see. So if you're not resolving an issue, you hide from issues to, the, to, to be presented to you. Yeah, true enough. You need like a cupboard so you can do some marking while hiding. I appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Sorry, it struck, it struck me for some reason. I've clearly been watching too much Cocomelon. It struck me more like a hide and seek kind of. I'm hiding for fun. I thought it's a bit of an odd odd way to spend your break times but um no i understand i understand um so school hub devices i'm thinking of schools of the future what else when you step out of the show in in four when you step step out of the delorean in 400 years what else subjects let's have a quick there's a lot we could talk on subjects but we have nine minutes left so let's quickly touch on my thoughts for subjects and you can drop in your comments you can call in if you like i think there'll be blended subjects I think right now, discrete subjects are old school. I think it's sometimes painful because you're just teaching stuff for the sake of filling a time slot per week. I don't think it's purposeful or progressive. I reckon we're going to have blended subjects. For example, computing and art and D&T will all be combined into overarching projects. So you would have something like video game design where you do artwork related to the game then you go into computing and you do the you know you do the digital making of the computer game and converting the art into a digital format and then dnt maybe merchandise for us something like that or maybe dnt would just be a different unit altogether where you would you know you could design something on a computer screen 3d model and then make it physically in dnt um but i'm thinking i'm thinking the future is blended subjects Maths and computer science on Twitter. A somebody mentioned on a, on the comments thread related to this show today. They would say maths and computer science should be blended. So graphs, for example, we should be learning. We should be teaching children to develop graphs using programs rather than drawing them by hand. And you know, teaching to draw graphs by hand takes so long, and it is such a kind of pain sometimes. However, are they going to use it in the real world, or will they pop some data into a cell-based program, you know, like Excel or whatever, 
and then have graphs automatically generated? Shouldn't we be talking more about understanding graphs than drawing graphs? Or is it all related? Do you need to know how to draw a graph well in order to understand it well? Maybe, because then you appreciate the measures on the axes and all that type of stuff. Um, so I, I, another combination I thought would be nice is history and modern politics. So we could look at the past, but don't just teach it as that stuff happened a long time ago, the end. You know, let's memorize Henry VIII's six wives or whatever. You know, that's instead combine it to also how does that link to where we are now? How did those events link to our current world? And I know that's kind of how history should be taught, but we know it's not how it's always taught. A lot of history is taught discreetly as that stuff happened then and we move on, right? Um, but if we combined history and modern politics so that there was an in innate connection between always um, threading together old events and current events, I think that would be pretty cool. TSCW says, Bl blended subjects sounds like a good idea to a non-specialist in those subjects and as someone who already teaches quite a blended subject. Yeah, I'm, to be honest, I... I've thought about it before. I think I had a previous episode about just reinventing the curriculum. And I really think that's the way forward. The only thing that bothers me is that there doesn't seem to even be a whisper of it in the actual educational world. You know, there's no one, no one in unions is trying to start a program to, to reinvent the curriculum. No one in the government is saying it's time to reinvent the curriculum. And schools don't seem to be making any calls to reinvent it. We seem to all just be stuck in this, you know, RE is 45 minutes, computing is 50 minutes, music is half an hour. You know, and there's just this, do it because people do it do it because we've done it for the last hundred years and i think it's really time to start questioning things and flipping it over so maybe that'll be me maybe I'll, I'll get some energy about me and start leading this charge for blending subjects and having skills-based topics rather than um you know so so you kind of have this big prime maybe for example i spoke before about having a bookmaking and kind of topic which rather than just being about writing a story like you could start it with writing a story and character development and all of that kind of stuff but once you have a story well then you talk about well how would we publish it well we need to contact a publisher and there'd be the financial side of things and all the rest you know there's there's a lot more to do when if, if you are and then also you're teaching them the process to actually doing things in the real world when they're older so blended subjects we're fans of that in the room tsew is a fan it would show purpose to lots of people who don't see it i totally agree do it he says lead the charge you know what i will think on it i'll think on it and if i get the energy about me i will totally i maybe it's my calling in life maybe this is what i'm here for who knows um re maybe that needs to be more about philosophy spirituality mindfulness you know relationship sex education um type of stuff and then, you know, with some religious informing in there as well, or maybe RE is, is more important now than ever. Um, however, going forward 400 years in the DeLorean, we step out. Is RE still taught as it is? I don't know. I, I, I would like the philosophy, spirituality stuff, but it does take, you know, perhaps understanding religions is something we do need to keep as a priority, especially in this world that we live in right now. If we, if we overlook that or don't value the importance of it, that could it could turn into bigger problems in the future, couldn't it? Um, and then last thing, I found an article today talking about um, some kind of subjects that could make their way in. So if we stepped out of the time machine in 400 years, would there be a subject of personal finance where you talk about loans and interest rates and mortgage and credit cards and, you know, how money works, economy, stocks and shares, crypto, um, all of that. Do you think that will work its way in? Crypto has become such a thing at the moment. And a lot of it is led by young people charging in to you know, take ownership over 
over the, the markets that they that have been out of reach for so long for them. Um, you know, might that become a priority in the educational sector to understanding money and um, personal finance? Will that be a subject? Let's have a look. TSCW says that was a thing a few years back, not with crypto. The students hated it. Yeah, I remember that. And that was probably towards the end of my secondary school time. We had they called it citizenship, I think, where they taught, but it just wasn't it wasn't what it should have been. You know, it wasn't really. Um, it was just became a bit of a, a bit of a dos, bit of a chat for half an hour. Um, and we all looked at it as a bit of time off and a bit time to chat to the nice teacher. Um, so that wasn't necessarily the right form for it. But is there a form where personal finance could be really purposeful? Maybe not. Maybe it's just a little dull by its nature. I wouldn't agree with that, though. Um, also, things like trading and stuff like that could come into personal finance. You know, the how things are valued and what adds value and things like that. Um, relationships might be another subject. Obviously, that would include RSE and um, PSHE and understanding other people and how they work together and understanding yourself as well. Self-awareness could creep into relationships because that's something else that is kind of a progressive skill that not only to feel emotions about things, but to think about yourself feeling those emotions and to question it and to think, well, why do I have these preconceived ideas and question your own relationships and your own decisions and um, have some self-awareness. So would that be something that would creep into schools or is it already there? And it just depends on the teacher to bring it out of certain subjects. Logic and reasoning sounds like a cool subject um, to talk about. And again, very valuable in this world could encompass things like fake news um, areas, which we currently have. We want people to be educated on, but it becomes challenging to think how to address them within the curriculum. And so it goes on. So it goes on. We're right at the end of the show, guys. We have been here for an hour and a half talking about schools of the past, things that have been and schools of the future, things that may or may not be in 200, 400, 600 years, 3000 years. Who knows? TSCW's last note is I think students struggled and do struggle in finance lessons because they feel a bit removed from it. Very true. We've done it as formal qualifications and as PSHCE lower down school and the students struggled, just struggled and got bored. Sixth form, they cope a bit better. Yeah, it's about that relevance. True. Maybe that's the other thing is that we've got to empathize with their perspective, don't we? And we have to remember that we are not uh, the things we're interested in, like I'm interested in mortgages and interest and all of that kind of stuff, because these are options that come up in my life right now. And I'd like to know lots about them. But how do we make younger people before it's relevant to them? How do we make them realize it will become relevant to them? But you could argue that about all things. You can argue that about history and all kinds of subjects. And um, it's always about kind of making it relevant for them in the moment and understanding the context of their learning. So I think it could be done, but I know what you mean. I remember those lessons and I remember how it was a bit of a boring, bit of a DOS. Um, people wouldn't engage and I know why, because you because it wouldn't seem relevant. But I think there's a way of making it relevant. Who knows? There's your final thought, guys. Think on it. Think on it. Um, can these things be worked? Should personal finance be left out? Is it a bit capitalist to bring that into school? Maybe school shouldn't be to do with money. That's always something I, I, I wonder whether I, I jump too fast to think about bringing money into class and actually maybe it should be left out as a bit of a, you know, my mum used to say money is the root of all evil. So maybe we shouldn't be bringing the root of all evil into school. 
<laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Um, that's it, guys. That's it from me. It's been a pleasure hosting your airways for Sunday. Thanks for the likes and the lovely involvement and comments, especially TSCW been throwing loads in there. Thanks, Mal, for your comments earlier on. And thanks, Priya, for your call and opinions on the climate crisis and how to bring that into schools and educate the world better on it. I hope you all have a lovely, lovely Sunday. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Rest well. We're almost at the half term or maybe you're on your half term. Enjoy it. Kick back, watch some movies, eat some good food, drink some drinks, whatever they may be. Enjoy. Speak to you all in a week at 11 o'clock next Sunday for another wonderful Sunday brunch. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. teach gaming as well in the future i reckon there'd be gaming olympics olympic gaming gaming for fun and gaming for skill now forget it